Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Merry Christmas. Um, <laughs> so I, I just heard on the news that the average temperature of Christmas is the same as what it is today. But that's great. We, we have a beautiful place to worship the Lord, and we're so glad you're here. For those of you that might be here for the first time, I'm Dan Paxton. I'm the senior pastor, and I want to teach today, and I want to welcome you to uh, just to really enjoy this time together and uh, greet my mom and dad that are back from Texas. Good to have you guys home. So I want to teach. Before I do, let me give you just a, a little bit of something that was sent to me. Uh, it said, now this could have happened to a brunette very easily. It could have. Uh, it could have happened to a redhead, uh, but it just so happens this happened to a blonde. So... Um, it says a blonde wanted to earn some extra money and decided to seek work as a handywoman and started canvassing a very well-to-do neighborhood. She went to the front door of the first house and asked the owner if he had any odd jobs that she could do. Well, he said, I guess you could. You could paint my porch. He said, how much will you charge me? Well, the blonde said, it's going to cost you 50, 50 bucks. Well, the man agreed and told her that all the paint and everything that she needed was in the garage and his wife, hearing the conversation, said to her husband, Does she realize that our porch goes all the way around the house? And he said, tch, 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 I've cut a great deal. Just let her go ahead and paint. Well, a short time later, the blonde came to the door to collect her money. You're finished already? The man said. Well, yeah, the blonde replied. And I had so much paint left over, I went ahead and gave it a second coat. Well, so impressed, the man reached into his pocket, gave her the $50 and handed it to her. And as she turned away, she said, Oh, and by the way... It's not a porch. It's a Lexus. So, there you go. <laughs> Yikes. Has absolutely nothing to do with my message today, and you're glad about that. All right. <laughs> Let me settle down here. You know, Easter really is the greatest celebration that the world knows. Do you know that over one billion people today are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you would wonder, why is it such a, a special event? It, it really is the focal point of all of history. I mean, the reason that we even have a B.C. and A.D., history separated into those two parts, is because of the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of the person of Jesus Christ. And uh, this event, I think the reason Easter is so, so vital and relevant today is that this event, more than any other, to me proves that Jesus is exactly who he said that he was. I mean, when Jesus lived upon the earth and he was doing his earthly ministry, he was unashamedly saying, I am God. He said, if, if, if you've seen me, you, you've seen God the Father because I and God the Father, we're one. And, and he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am, I am the life. You cannot get to God the Father unless you come through me. It was, it was very clear, very unashamed in terms of his claims about who he was. He said, I've come that you might have life and have life abundantly. And, and you can have it eternally because if you'll place your trust and your belief in me, you're never going to die because I am the resurrection and the life. I am the Messiah. I am the Savior of the world. He was very, very clear about who he was. And I believe that the most profound validation of the proof of these claims is in the fact that he said, and in the end, I will die upon a cross. I'm going to give my life for your sin. And then in three days, God is going to raise my dead body to life. 
And the Romans did everything they could do to keep that from happening. They had heard that Jesus had made this claim. And so they placed his body in a tomb. They rolled a huge stone in front of that tomb. They placed Roman guard in front of that tomb. They put the Roman seal on that tomb. And essentially they're saying, we have won. Jesus is dead. And then God, in his mighty power, raises his son back to life. And the stone is rolled away. And the soldiers are knocked down. And I'm telling you, that stone was rolled away, not so that Jesus could get out, but so that we could look in and see He is risen. He is risen. He is alive today. Now, why would that mean anything to me, to you? I mean, what is the relevance of this? What are the implications? I mean, so what? Like... 2007 years ago, this thing happened. And so, like, how does this affect me? I want to read to you a verse. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And it's there on your screen. It says this. Now we live with the wonderful expectation because Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. The Bible is teaching us that we can live with a wonderful expectation and anticipation, a great hope, because... We serve a risen, living Lord Jesus. We have entered into relationship with a risen, living Lord Jesus. And there are certain expectations that we can have. I want to tell you about two of them. Number one, I think the first thing that we need to know, that we can expect, is that when we enter into relationship with the risen, living, conquering Lord Jesus, who overcame sin, hell, and the grave... We can understand that in his life, as he has placed his life within us, we have new purpose. We have purpose in life. We're not some random accident. We're not some evolutionary sort of, you know, cosmic sort of the soup came together at the right time and in the right place. We have value. We have purpose. There is worth in our lives. And the worth is determined by the love that God demonstrates over us in that while we were still deep in our sin, Jesus Christ died for us. I'm not a freak of nature and neither are you. If you can walk away today knowing any one thing, I would want you to hear this. You were made by God and you were made for God. And if you can't some way understand that, life really doesn't, isn't complete in your understanding. It doesn't fully make sense to you. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this, God has made us what we are. In Christ, God made us to do good works, which He planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. And so without knowing that you're not just this freak of nature, but that you have purpose and you have value and you have worth in the heart of God. Listen, you can't really fully live life the way God wants you to live it because you were made by God and for God. But I want to tell you something. You are empty without God. I lived my first 20 years empty. And I was trying, and sadly, I was doing it, and many people do it all their life, trying to fill the emptiness that is left there because we don't have God in our life, trying to fill it with all these other things, trying to bring satisfaction and fulfillment and joy to our life. We try to gather up all these possessions. If I can just get enough stuff, maybe I'll be satisfied. Or we try to, to, to base our satisfaction on popularity. If I, you know, if I can just get enough people to like me, then I'll be fulfilled. I'll be, I'll be satisfied. Or then there's pleasure. Gosh, if I can just, 
enjoy all the thrills that this world offers. And maybe if I can't go somewhere to do that, I'll just get high in my in the darkness of my own bedroom. You know, this idea of getting high. It's not getting high. It's just simply medicating the emptiness that is there. And then the idea of people. Sometimes we try to surround ourselves in relationships. People are going to, you know, make me satisfied and fulfilled and joyful. And what tends to happen over time, because we're asking people to do things that they were never intended to do, that only God can do, the relationships begin to erode and corrode over time, and they fall apart. And there's still that emptiness. But the message of Easter, my friends, is this, that Jesus Christ is offering to place His life in us and fill the emptiness. And if you believe that, you can say, Amen. God raised His Son to life so that as Jesus ascended into heaven, He could send His Holy Spirit. And one of the great benefits of the Holy Spirit coming into life is that we have new purpose. Jeremiah Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9. I love this verse. God says this, I have good plans for you. Plans not to hurt you. I will give you a hope and I will give you a future. Now, notice, what kind of plans does it say he has for us? Good, good plans. They're, they're good plans. You see, I, I, think, I think some way, somehow, we've caught this either in church or I don't know how it's worked, but some way we have taken on an attitude, many of us, that God is some kind of a cosmic killjoy and he's out there just wanting to deal out a bummer to us. You know, he's not into fun. There's, there's no joy. Let me tell you something. God created joy. God created fulfillment. God created satisfaction. And and it's all in Him. And so God has a good plan. God knows what will satisfy us, what will fill us, what will bring joy to our life. And so when you receive Jesus Christ into your heart, when you open your life up by faith and you say, I want to have God in my life. I want to walk with Jesus. One of the great things that happens to you is you Begin to enjoy new purpose in life. I, I want to tell you a little story. My church has heard this story numbers of times, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell it again. I was, uh, my wife and I were living in Norris Springs, Iowa, just up by Mason City. And I was uh, the head football coach there, and I taught high school biology. And uh, we were raising our little young family. Our children were just little. And we had loaded our car up. We had, I had gone through a, a miserable, miserable season. We ended up, uh, I think we ended up two and seven. We had won two games, lost seven games. In my life, though, I had just become a Christian. I was still sort of in the, I'm going to climb the ladder of success. I'm going to be the great coach. I'm, you know, I'm, someday I'm going to be a college coach. And, you know, maybe someday I'll, I'll coach the Iowa Hawkeyes or well, whatever. But I was you know, just going to climb the ladder of success. That was my ultimate goal. And I remember we, we had loaded our kids up uh, one day to go down to see their grandparents down in central Iowa. We'd pulled up to the one and only stoplight in Norris Springs. And uh, my wife turned to me and she said, you need to get out of the car. And I said, what? She said, get out of the car. I said, why? We're late. She said, honey, there's a little girl right down here lying in the gutter. And I don't know if she's asleep or if she's dead, but you need to get out of the car and you need to see if she's okay. I said, Raylene, we are late. She said, get out of the car. You know, like when your wife speaks to you that way, it's like you submit to your own wife as unto the Lord. You know, so I just get out of the car. He's just like, I'm not going to fight. Walk around. And there's this little girl. She's about two years old, probably. Uh, I, I could see just from what I could see with my eyes, she's very poor. 
her hair was all matted and her dress was stained. And I remember she had this little, her arm was sort of tucked over her chest and she had this little sock that had been stuffed with Kleenex and little eyes and nose and mouth drawn on it. That was her doll. And as I got closer to her, I could see that she was just asleep. You could hear just that little buzz coming out of her, you know, out of her mouth. And I, I knew she was asleep. And then the closer I got to her, I not only could see that she was poor, I could smell that she was poor. I mean, I, I, could. I, I could. I could smell those dirty diapers and that urine. And I thought, oh, I just took a shower. I mean, I, now, now, now what do I do? I'm not, I'm not going to deny. And then all of a sudden, I just could feel compassion. Like, come on me. And, you know, like I knew it wasn't my compassion. I knew it was God's compassion because I'd become a Christian just years before. And so I, I bent down and I pulled this little girl up into my arms and I could feel the urine in her pants just come through my shirt. And I'm going, oh, man. And I'm holding her and I'm going, I don't know what to do. And then I saw a door up by the sidewalk by a storefront. And I thought, well, maybe I'll check the door. So I went and, I op- and the door opened. And there was a stairway that led up over this storefront. And I walked up these really old, creakety stairs and got to the top of the stairway. There was another door there. I knocked on that door, not knowing anything else to do. I just knocked on the door, and pretty soon the door opened. And this man came to the door. And I said, sir, I don't know whose little girl this is, but I was concerned that she was sleeping in the gutter, and I thought she might get hurt. He said, that's my little girl. I said, oh, terrific. And I handed this little girl to him. He took her into his arms. He kissed her on the forehead. And then the door shut. And I turned away from that door. And I began to walk away. And for the very first time in my life, I heard the voice of Jesus. Now you would say, was it an audible voice? It was way more clear than that. I mean, it was so incredibly clear. You have to understand, I had just started a relationship with God just a couple of years before that. I'd never heard the voice of Jesus, but I heard Jesus say to me, you're going to do this the rest of your life. And I knew that I had purpose. More than just trying to figure out how to move a leather ball down a field. And more than any win-loss column could calculate. And it didn't really change what I was doing, but it totally changed why I was doing what I was doing. I had new purpose. And then even later in my life, God did change what I was doing. And we entered into the ministry. And I'm not saying everybody does that. For us, that's what happened. But I can tell you just a few months ago, I had a man come up to me. I was standing right out here greeting people as they walked through the doors of our church. He came right up to me. He grabbed me by the hand. He had had tattoos on his arms. He had pierces all over the place, you know, his eyes and his ears and his nose. He came up, he grabbed me and he pulled me up to himself and he put his arms around me and he said, you're my pastor. And he said, you don't know me, but you're my pastor. And I said, sir, I, I don't know you. And he said, well, the reason you don't know me personally, I just got out of prison. But I have been reading... Your sermon transcripts that have been sent to me for the last two years and the word of God that's come to me through those sermon transcripts that you have sent to me have literally carried me to the arms of God, my father. And I went hot dog. That's awesome. Let me tell you something. There is there's new purpose that comes in life as we learn to open our hearts up to God and enter into true relationship with Jesus Christ 
And so purpose is one of the incredible benefits of the resurrection. And so how do you discover that purpose? Well, you know, there's probably some alternatives. You may consult human experts to tell you what your purpose is. You might, you know, Jerry Springer. Maybe listen to him, huh? What do you think? <laughs> Oprah Winfrey. Uh, you know, these people are not all that reliable. Or you could do something that our culture is really pressing on us that really sounds great, but it's, it's a little... Look within yourself. Guys, just look within yourself. And there you're... What, what that's called is, is... And I'm just a farm boy, so I don't know how to say it. Anymore. It's just new age nonsense is what it is. Because I tried looking within myself for solutions and answers and purpose. You know what I found within myself? More problems. More difficulty. More despair. More darkness. And what I realized over time is I could go to the one that created me. And in understanding, in discovering who I was, I had to learn whose I was. Who did I belong to? Who made me? Listen, you were created by God and you were created for God. And the more deeply you understand that, without God you're empty. As you understand that, you open your heart up and receive Jesus into your life. You will find purpose. We need purpose to live for. But here's the second thing I want to just visit with you about just for a moment. And that is we also need power to live on. We need purpose to live for. That is true. But I tell you, we need power to live on. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ tells us there is power available. And there is. There is a power that is available so we can live in faith and joy and, and uh, expectation and hope in the midst, listen to me, in the midst of an ocean of circumstances that are beyond our control. Has anybody figured out that your life is not under your control? I mean, I probably, Roylene and I had a chance this last weekend to go and babysit our grandkids. And we had sent our married children to a marriage seminar. And so we took our three grandkids and we babysat those kids for two days. Three days, actually. Felt like nine days, but it was three days. Uh, <laughs> and what I realized, I think I was just sort of peaked in this, my understanding, that I actually, I actually peaked out in my power to control life at the age of about two or three years old. Because it's at the age of two or three, you know, from the beginning you're born all the way up till about to where you're three, you're, anytime you whimper, there's, you've got this entourage of big people that rush around you and they pick you up and they hold you and they rub your back and they change your pants and they burp you and they cuddle you and they rock you and they do all that, they feed you and they do all this stuff. Folks, my, my, my granddaughter Maisie has incredible power over her grandfather. Is all she's got to do is whimper. Boom, I'm there. That's, that, that's power. But, but some two terrible things really happened as I began to grow up. First of all, I realized the world was getting harder. And second of all, people stopped paying attention to my whining. And they, see, that's just called growing up. And so at that point, we've got to realize that our life is out of our control. In fact, at 55 years old, every year I put on myself, I'm realizing more and more, I become more and more aware. Life is out of my control. And yet, we as Americans think we can control everything. I mean, we're the, man, we're the land of the free and the home of the brave, and we can do the whole deal. I mean, we can, we can control, we can control life. And, and I believe because our culture is so driven to control life, we enter into what I would call chronic personal power shortage. 
There is incredible power shortage in life. I don't know if you've listened to people talk, but I hear people all the time saying, I'm worn out, I'm played out, I'm stressed out, I'm burned out, I'm run down, I'm used up, I'm bushed, I'm exhausted, I'm frazzled, I'm bone weary, I'm dead tired. I'm on my last. I'm about ready to throw in the... Huh? You guys know. You get it. Huh? We, we understand. I'm at the end of my... You're experts. We're all tired. We all need to go home and take a nap. I'll tell you why. It's not so much a physical fatigue, but it is trying to control the uncontrollable. Now, irregardless of what phrase you want to use, it represents power shortage. Why did God make life tough? Why does He allow it to be tough? I'll tell you why. So that we would turn to Him and we would trust Him and we would depend upon Him for the source of power that He is. The Bible says, if that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, then He will give life, vitality, energy to your mortal bodies. It's, it's a promise of God. What kind of power does He give? I believe Jesus gives us power, first of all, to change. And I am so glad for that. I think people say, I just, I can't change. That's just who I am. No, that's not true. You know what? That is who you are, but I tell you, you can change. And God gives you the power to change. And the things that have messed you up in life, God says, I can give you the power to change. And I'm going to give you the power to let go of guilt and grief. And I'm going to give you the power to let go of grudges that have kept you stuck in the past for many years. And I'm going to give you the power to forgive not only others, but yourself, which is maybe even more difficult at times. And I'm going to give you the power to start over again when you've really, really blown it. and You've really failed. I don't know if you've ever done that or not. I have really blown it. And going, I don't think I, it's, that's it. And God says, I'm going to give you the power. In fact, I'm going to redeem this thing. I'm going to take what you see as bad and I'm going to turn it into good if you will trust me for power. I'll give you the power, he says, to keep you going when you're discouraged and you go, I can't take another step. And God gives you power, Jesus gives you power to become what you've always wanted to become and meant to become. Let me give you a couple of promises. Philippians 4.13 I can do everything, Paul says, that God asks me to do with the help of Christ who gives me strength and power. Colossians 1.11 God will strengthen you with His own great power so that you will not give up when trouble comes. God not only gives you starting power, He gives you staying power. It's like, I'm not going to quit because God is going to give me power and strength. And then in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28, God never grows faint or weary. He gives power to those who are tired and worn out, those who wait on the Lord. And what that literally means, wait, is to come into relationship with God. Those that wait on the Lord will find new strength. They will fly high on wings like eagles. My, my dear friends, listen, if you're tired, if you're tired of trying to control the uncontrollable, I think the message of Easter is this. God says, plug into my power. Open your life up and let's have relationship together. Well, how do I respond to this resurrection of Jesus Christ? How, how do I enter into this purpose and how do I enter into the power? Here it is and it's very simple. You open your life up in faith to receive Jesus Christ and you begin to develop relationship with Him. It's been the way that I've lived my life. And I tell you, the only regret I have is that I didn't start sooner. 
God wants to have relationship with us. The greatest theme of the Bible is God loves you. And he wants to have relationship with you. Now, how do you get to know God? Let me tell you something. It is not through religion. You can go to catechism all you want to. You can go to Sunday school all you want to. You can go to confirmation all you want to. You can go to church. You just have perfect attendance if you want to. That is not going to get you in a relationship with God. It will not. Let me tell you something. The only thing that will get you into relationship with God is simply opening your heart in faith and saying, Jesus, I need you. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 21 says this. Some people have missed the most important thing in life. They don't know God. There are people that know a lot about God, but they don't know God. I, listen, how, how, anybody know Dallas Clark? Anybody have ever heard that name, Dallas Clark? Come on, you guys, you've got to get with the program. Dallas Clark is the tight end for the world champion Indianapolis Colts. The greatest team on the face of the earth. Come on. Huh? Not only that, he played for the university. He's a Hawkeye. And not only that, he's an Iowa boy. And I know his stats. I've, I've seen his stats. I, I, I know. Uh, in fact, let, let me show you something. I've got a, a friend of mine went to a sports show, got me an autograph helmet. This, this is Bill. What does this say? Dallas Clark. It says Dallas Clark. <laughs> I got his autograph for crying out loud. I, I don't have it all. She said, you got it all. I don't have it all. I don't know him. I don't know him. Wish I did. I think he's a believer. Probably will. In the end, I just, I just don't know him. You know, the most mind-boggling thought that I have ever had in my life is that the God of the universe... The one who created the heavens and earth loves me so much that he wants to have a relationship with me. He wants me to know him. Not to know about him, but to truly know him. And I'm telling you, my friends, this is the way you move into this incredible purpose that God has for every one of us. And you move into the power that's available. To every one of us that will simply learn to walk and trust and love and live in the person of Jesus Christ. He is risen. He is alive. And this great power and purpose is available to each one of us. And so, my friends, I, I want to just say, you know, I, I, was, I was reading a little article about the, a movie that was made. It's the, the most expensive movie ever made. Uh, Titanic. It cost $300 million to, to uh, uh, produce the Titanic movie. And how many have seen a Titanic? Okay. Three, $300 million. And it actually grossed in, in sales $1.3 billion. $1.3 billion. And it's, it's a story about not just this historic story of this great cruise liner that hits an iceberg and sinks. It's a story about different classes of people. It's a story about... The rich and the poor. It's about the, the people living in these lavish upper, upper decks, traveling on this great cruise liner in the, this lavish settings, beautiful, you know, dance 
floors and, and bars and restaurants and all the ambiance that anybody could ever ask for. And then you've got the poor living down in the steerage. They're just the, the very poor that don't have anything. And then you've got the educated. You've got the uneducated. You've got the young. You've got the old. You've got the natural born citizens. And you've got the immigrants that are trying to make their way in life. And you've got all these different classes. All these different distinctions that exist between people. But in the end, when that thing hits the iceberg and it begins to go down, there is only one distinction between people. (laughs) And it is those that are saved and those that are lost. And that is the only distinction. In fact, James Cameron, who is the executive producer of the Titanic, said this, the Titanic is a metaphor of the inevitability of death. And then he said this, we're all on the Titanic. Now, I don't know if you've checked lately, the mortality rate in the United States, you know what it is? It's 100%. (laughs) That's what it is. I, I heard somebody say, she's terminal. And I said, we're all terminal. That's just, that is the way it is. And, and I want to say this as respectfully as I possibly can, but I want to say it to you as directly as I can, and that's this. Only a total fool would go all through life totally unprepared for something so inevitable. I mean, there's, there's, my friends, there's going to come a day. And if you're, if you're staking your life on anything else, I would just have you reconsider. There is going to be a day... When we will stand before our God and God will say, did you receive this great gift that I've sent to the earth in my son Jesus who died for you and came to set you free from your sin? How did you deal with him? Did you get to know him? Did you learn to walk with him? Did, did, you, did you open your life up to the purpose that I have for you so that you could walk in the abundance of life? Did you receive my power as you learned to relate to me in relationship so that you could live life the way you've always wanted it to be lived? Well, I'm telling you, in the end of life, there's only going to be really two classes of people. There's not going to be any distinct... I mean, there's not going to be rich, poor, young, old, educated, uneducated. None of that's going to exist. There's going to be two classes. Those who have found their life in Jesus Christ and those who have been lost because they rejected this great gift. And, And I'm just saying the message of Easter, the bottom line of Easter, the reason it's so relevant is... You were made by God and you were made for God. And God wants you to know Him and to learn to trust Him. He loves you in a way that you'll only know once you open your heart to Him. Now, I can just about guarantee that today, probably just about every human problem is represented one way or another in this room, I would imagine. I mean, I I think there are probably people right now in the middle of separation, divorce. There, there may be people here who have just buried a loved one and the grave is still fresh and the grief is still very much alive. And I, I think there are probably people here who are going through things like marriage problems and kid problems and financial problems and people aching with loneliness and struggling with unforgiveness and maybe even people nursing grudges and bitterness against someone else. There, there, there are probably people who are f- facing health issues and either the tests are yet to come or the tests have already come and there is this sense of incredible anxiety because you know that there's going to be this incredible physical struggle in your body and you're losing sleep and people asking the question, what am I going to do? I don't know if you've ever asked that question or not. Well, I know I have. What am I going to do? And then people dealing with stress and guilt and shame and fatigue. 
Let me, let, let me just say, and I'm going to close. Do you know that God knew that on April the 8th, 2007, God knew you'd be here? Do you know that? Now, you, you're here for lots of different reasons. You're here because this is your home church. You're here because it's Sunday and that's what you're supposed to do on Easter. You're here because some friend invited you and you just go, all right, all right, all right, I'll do it, I'll be here. I'm telling you, there's lots of reasons why people are here. But I'm telling you, God knew you were here and the Lord wants to get your attention and He wants to say this one thing to you. I love you. I love you. And I want to live my life in you and through you. And I want you to open your heart to me. And I don't want you to just to know about me. I want you to know me so that you can experience abundance of life. And so, my dear friends, if you'll simply open your heart and let him come in, God says, listen, I, you know, I'm there for you. You, say, you just say, help, help me. One of the great prayers that God always responds. <laughs> I remember one time playing football at UNI I was a running back and I got buried under the pile. And the only thing I could say with my breath gone was, help me. Somebody help me. God always answers that prayer because God so loves his people. And so this morning, as we close, I want to just ask you a question. Why not do it this Easter? If you've never opened your heart in faith and received Jesus into your life, my question is, why not? Why not just do it this Easter? And so I prepared a little prayer. It's a prayer that I guess maybe I prayed a prayer very similar to this back on April the 10th, 1972, when I was 20 years old. And I opened my heart up to Jesus. And honestly, our lives have never been the same since. But I prayed this prayer. And it was a very simple prayer of faith. And at first I thought, gosh, is that all there is? But you know what? The Father said, yep, that's all there is. I love you. And I've come into your life now. And I'm going to give you purpose and direction and leadership. And I'm going to give you power. So I'm going to invite all of you here, my, you know, my whole church. Would you, would you read this prayer with me? And, and as we sort of read this prayer together, it's a very simple little prayer. There may be some of you here that need to do more than just read the prayer. You need to pray the prayer, you know. You need to say, this is what I want. And I'm telling you, it is as very simple as that to say, This is what I want. Jesus, I want you in my life. I want you to forgive me of my sin. Sure enough. But I want you now to give me new direction, new purpose, new power in life. So could I invite you to just read this prayer with me? I think it's, yes, there it is on the screen. Could you just read this prayer with me? And just say with me, Dear God, I believe you sent your son, Jesus, to die for my sins so I can be forgiven. I'm sorry for my sins. And I want to live the rest of my life the way you want me to. Please put your spirit in my life to direct me. Amen. Amen. I think some of you might have prayed that prayer. And even now in your mind, you're kind of conflicted. Whoa, is it like, is it that simple? Yeah, it is. He had to make it simple. He had to make it simple because he loves us so much. I tell you, I want to make it just as easy as I possibly can for my little granddaughter, my grandkids, my grandboys to get up in my arms so I can hold them. I don't put hoops in front of them. I don't tell them they've got to do this before I can love them. And I just make it as easy as I can. God has made it so simple for us. I want to pray for you all. 
I want to pray especially for those of you that even today just said, I've become a Christian today. And I want to pray that the enemy would not be able to come and steal away something so precious as this great gift that God has given to you, that you would begin to walk in this new life and enjoy the the power and the purpose that God gives. So I'm just going to say, Father, today in Jesus' name, thank you, O Lord, for my friends here, my family, people that I I love and care for. Father, for, for the friends and the family that have joined them, I pray, Jesus, that you would be so good now through this week and through the the next months and years, Lord. For those that have become today Christian, I pray, oh God, because they have the Holy Spirit living within them, that Holy Spirit, you would nurture and love and bring peace and joy into their life. Thank you, Lord, for this great day. Truly, Jesus, you are alive, and we love you, we honor you, and we bless you now together. Let us go in this great grace. And I pray in Jesus' name, God's people said... Amen, amen. God bless y'all. Have a great day. See you next week. The Lord bless you.